Hello, this is Bill Koenig at Spy Command, here with you today for a post about the 50th anniversary of a Bond film. For the eighth James Bond film, star Sean Connery wasn't coming back. Three key members of the 007 creative team, screenwriter Richard Maybaum, production designer Ken Adam, and composer John Barry weren't going to participate either. And producers Albert R. Broccoli and Harry Saltzman were mostly working separately with this movie to be overseen primarily by Saltzman. The result, Live and Let Die, which debuted in 1973, it would prove to be financially the highest grossing movie in the Bond series to date. Things probably didn't seem that way for Eon Productions and United Artists as work began. They had no Bond, Broccoli and Saltzman didn't want Connery back for 1971's Diamonds Are Forever, the studio didn't want to take a chance and made the original screen 007 an offer he couldn't refuse. But that was a one-film deal. Now Eon and UA were starting from scratch. Eon and UA had one non-Connery film under their belts, 1969's Honor Majesty's Secret Service. They had tried the inexperienced George Lazenby, who bolted after one movie. For the second 007 film in the series, not to star Connery, Eon UA opted for a more experienced choice, Roger Moore, former star of The Saint and The Persuaders television shows. Older than Connery, Moore would, imply, would employ excuse me, a lighter touch. Behind the camera, Saltzman largely depended on director Guy Hamilton back for his third turn in the 007 director's chair, and writer Tom Mankiewicz. Mankiewicz would be the sole writer from beginning to end, rewriting scenes as necessary during filming. In a commentary on the film's DVD, Mankiewicz acknowledged it was highly unusual. Perhaps the biggest creative change was with the film's music. Barry had composed the scores for six Bond films in a row. George Martin, former producer for the Beatles, would take over. Martin had helped sell Saltzman on using a title song written by Paul and Linda McCartney. The ex-Beatle knew his song would be compared to the 007 classic title songs Barry had helped write. McCartney was determined to make his mark. Albert R., excuse me, Saltzman liked the song, but inquired whether a woman singer would be more appropriate. Martin, in an interview for a 2006 special on UK television, said he informed Saltzman that, that if Eon didn't accept McCartney as performer, the, the producer would not get the song. Saltzman accepted both. Live and Let Die wasn't the greatest James Bond film, despite an impressive boat sequence that was a highlight, boat, boat chase sequence that was a highlight. The demise of its villain, Yafet Kodo, still induces groans among longtime 007 fan, fans as he pops like a balloon via an unimpressive special effect. Sheriff J.W. Pepper, up to that time, was probably the most over-the-top comedic supporting character in the series. What are you, some kind of doomsday machine boy? But Live and Let Die is one of the most important films in the series. As late as 1972, the question was whether James Bond could survive without Sean Connery. With $161.8 million in worldwide ticket sales, it was the first Bond film to exceed the gross of 1965's Thunderball. In the U.S., its $35.4 million box office trailed the $43.8 million for Diamonds Are Forever. Bumpy Day still lay ahead for Eon. The Man with the Golden Guns box office would tail off. 
and relations between Broccoli and Saltzman would get worse. Still, for the first time, the idea took hold that the Cinema 007 could move on from Connery. Many editors at the former Her Majesty's Secret Service website criticized the movie and its star in a survey many years ago, but the film has its fans. I vividly remember the first time I saw one of the Bond movies, which was Live and Let Die, and the effect it had on me, Skyfall director Sam Mendes said at a November 2011 news conference. Whatever one's opinion about the movie, Live and Let Die ensured there would be 007 employment for the likes of Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, and Daniel Craig. That's it. This is Bill Koenig at the Spy Command. Thanks for listening.